You know, when a podcast hits 1,000 episodes, okay. uh, a legion of sad people just rise up and proclaim you their god. Oh, something to be on the lookout for then. No, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Good morning and welcome to Breakfast with the Beak. I am your host, Johnny Goodtimes. Joining me is my sidekick... Hey, I'm Dr. Eisenberg. Good morning, Beaknicks. Good, good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Beaknicks, indeed. So, Doc, uh, what's been up? Oh, big news on uh, the election 2012 front. I've been hearing about this, but Mr. Tell. Ryan Paul. Paul Ryan. I hate his name. Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. I can't trust him. His names are both first names. No, and not even in a good way. No. No. Um, but uh, Mitt Romney's running mate... Yeah, Mitt Romney. Both of his names are not names at all. Uh, no, no, they're like... Well, I mean, Romney's just a last name, but Mitt is like a fake rich people name. Yeah, no, it's not a good name. Yeah. No, so, yeah, so. Paul Ryan, natural fit, because Mitt needed an extra first name, because he doesn't have one. <coughs> Actually, yeah. Yeah. How about Paul Mitt and Ryan Romney? Those sound like normal guys. Yeah, those just sound like some guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, or Ryan Mitt and Paul Romney. Either yeah, way. Whatever. Yeah, no. So, yeah. Um, he's really young. Yeah. For, he's 42. Yeah. He was which, born in 1970. Yeah. Which, uh, they mentioned on CNN on Saturday morning, makes him the first, uh, Generation X member. Yeah. To, to be part of a big presidential ticket. Well. In terms of age. In terms of strictly, in, yeah, if we terms, define it by when you're born, then yes. He, he doesn't, he doesn't really hold to the ethos of what we consider Generation X. No, Paul Ryan seems like the kind of guy who who went to high school thinking, you know what I love? The establishment. Well, some fun facts about Paul Ryan. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, he was in high school. He was voted prom king, so jock. And also, in his yearbook, he was voted by his graduating class as a uh, biggest brown noser. <laughs> So, so indeed, a guy who showed up to school every day and thought, you know what I love? The establishment. Exactly. Exactly right. You know what? I'll bet he used to, like, go to teachers and tell them people were smoking. Probably. Probably. He was also junior class president in high school, so yeah. just an all-around tool bag from a very young age. Yeah, wow. I mean, like... I mean, I don't know any, like, famous Gen Xers who, like, are from Wisconsin off the top of my head. Yeah, there's probably a bunch who left. Yeah, but if yeah, if he had gone to high school with like Kurt Cobain and Janine Garofalo in like crazy everybody went to the same high school land, you know, same high school land. I'm he would have reported Janine Garofalo for smoking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Another fun Paul Ryan fact. Ooh. Uh, in 1992, when he was starting out as a uh, uh, Washington staffer, he was working a bunch of odd jobs for a while. He was a representative for the Oscar Mayer company. In what? fact, he drove the Wienermobile. No, no, Oscar Mayer. What? Yeah. What? He drove. He drove the Wienermobile. But yeah. No. No, that's true. It's verified by two separate articles. It was in the uh, the Seattle Journal Sentinel. Don't fuck with me here. Yeah. No, he worked for no, Oscar don't, Mayer. Don't fuck with me. You know how I feel about about the Wienermobile. You do have an odd attachment to Wienermobiles. I love the Wienermobile. Um, just today, just today, yeah. a dear friend of mine sent me some photos uh-huh. that she took of the Wienermobile. Uh-huh. Okay. Does that, does that count as, like, flirting for you? 
Is sending you Wienermobile pictures? Probably. Is yeah. that like someone else sending you a picture of like their genitals, but it's a Wienermobile? Well, like if somebody wanted to flirt with me, I mean, there's worse ways. Okay. Like, All right. Then well, getting me like Wienermobile like photos and memorabilia. I'm, well, my my question is, have you ever driven a Wienermobile? Because Paul Ryan has. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> I mean, I don't believe you. It's true. It's true. It was, it was also on Politico. Two I don't separate, know. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I don't believe uh, you. I don't believe you. <laughs> this is awful. Uh, yeah, well, it's not the only awful thing about Paul Ryan. I know. So no, there'll be, if there'll it be was, plenty if, more. If it was the only awful thing about him, it wouldn't be awful at all. If he hadn't confirmed himself to be a you know just a, a USDA prime fucking douche in all other regards, he's also a fan of Ayn Rand. See, douche. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, totally. Yeah, um, and and also really an, an adult is a that's gross. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's weird. But, He's yeah. still uh, citing Ayn Rand as a, an influence. Yeah, uh, you, you know she hated Jesus, Paul. Most um, people get over that when they're like nineteen. Yeah, Paul Ryan is Catholic, um, so probably. He's not Mormon like Mitt Romney, yeah. so I mean Mitt probably just wanted to get a Catholic so he didn't get any weirder. Yeah, you know, you know how Americans feel about Mormons. Yeah, Gonna, uh, of course Barack Obama. Is a Protestant, yeah, and uh, as we all know, Joe Biden is a, a Pastafarian. Worship, okay. Worships the flying spaghetti monster. I'm familiar with that. Yeah, you, you got to love Joe Biden. He's fun. That's that's why he talks like a pirate. He's all the time. a fun, wacky guy. Yeah. So that's just this is a little about. We're going to be learning a lot more about Paul Ryan in the coming. Months. I don't want to learn any more about. Him. I don't want fucking douches <laughs> driving the Wienermobile. You need to take a test that says you're not a douche before they let you drive the Wienermobile. Like when you get in the when you go to Oscar Mayer, they can't just let anyone do that. You should have to take some kind of test. You need to prove yourself to be pure of heart. Maybe this is your calling, Johnny. Maybe you need to like start a, a, a lobbying platform for Wiener re- Wienermobile reform. Well, you're absolutely <laughs> right about that because we do need reform in that field. Okay, hey, Paul Ryan, you know that budget you wrote that everyone fucking hates, and that's the only reason that anyone's ever heard of you because. Like, even though you got into Congress when you were super young, you didn't do shit for a long time, and now they're picking you just because you're the fucking flavor of the month and they think that's going to have some kind of lasting electoral appeal? You know how they're doing that? Uh. Yeah, well, maybe instead of that, you know, at the end of this election cycle, when you go back to being nobody, you can maybe devote yourself to a good cause, like Wienermobile reform. And making sure that we don't just let anyone behind the wheel of, of that majestic... I, I think device. it's time to calm down a little there, Johnny. You're I'm not sure You're it getting is. a little bit emotional about the Wienermobile. I'm always a little bit emotional about the Wienermobile. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Johnny, what's this week's topic? This week's topic is everyone can go fuck themselves. Because the Wienermobile doesn't deserve dicks like Paul Ryan just molesting it with their grubby dick hands. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No, we're going to do a real topic to take my mind off that because oh, I'm that's, super angry that, about this. That's a good idea. Let's let's let's. You got the dice there, buddy. You, you ready? <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I, I got him. I got him. All right, you ready to ready to just plunk him down on the table there? Yeah. Okay. All right. Take all the time you need. Thank you. Rolling those dice. People aren't waiting patiently or nothing. <laughs> I don't want to roll while you're talking now. See, I'm being polite. Unlike some people who think they can just put their filthy hands all over the Wienermobile, smudge up its red paint, and... Anyway. 
<laughs> okay, that's a... Oh, is it, what do you got there? 24. 24. What's topic number 24, Johnny? Why Kirk is obviously the best captain, but Picard is cooler. Submitted by Nick in Philadelphia. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, indeed. Uh, Nick, uh, a panelist on the Nerds on the Rocks podcast. Yeah, also indeed. Which, oddly enough, they don't actually talk about Star Trek all that much on that show. That is surprising. They, they talk about Batman a lot. You well. Know. Yeah. I mean, you know, comic books, wrestling, that sort of thing. Definitely yeah. nerdy thing. Yeah. I don't hear Trek on that show very often. Well, we're requesting it. Guys, do a Trek show. Yeah. Like we're about to. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised it took us this long. Um, well, we talk about Star Trek a lot. We do. We Just this is the first Star Trek topic we've gotten on the list. Yeah. So, I'm surprised yeah. it took the fans this long. Because... I'm, 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 a little, I'm a little interested in the way uh, Nicholas actually wrote this topic. Because he, he says Picard is the cooler. And kind of the, the stereotype is that Kirk is the cool one. And Picard is kind of the mellow philosopher. He's like, he's like the old granddaddy kind of guy. Kirk, I feel like, is the captain who's fun to watch, maybe. He's a little more, you know, pulpy, a little more action-adventure-y, a little more Buck Rogers-y. He definitely is. He's got kind of the Flash Gordon. He's got, like, sexy hair. You know, he's in a, he runs around with his shirt off more often. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't think Kirk uh, is cool in the sense that Kirk does not stay cool. He's not a Fonzie kind of cool. No, Kirk is a hothead. Kirk just goes off at anything. Kirk's response to absolutely any any situation, like, oh, aliens are here, I'm going to just take my dick out, basically. It, it's, I mean, he wasn't allowed to do that on TV in the 60s, but it was basically like he responded with that level of uh, level-headedness. Well, yeah, and both literally and figuratively, because he also had sex with way more alien women oh, yeah. than Jean-Luc Picard did. Yeah, every, yeah, everything, everywhere the Enterprise went, it's like, oh, we're in trouble, and old Jimmy's got to fuck his way out of it again. <laughs> that was what happened on that show every week, you're right. And, uh, you know, Kirk did that. Picard, on the other hand, was unflappable. Like, Well, he was unflappable in the face of danger, in the face of a challenge, that sort of thing. He was actually rather awkward around personal relationships. I mean, he even his like, closest friends, he kind of kept at arm's length most of the time. He was weird, like, when he was dating someone. Yeah, well... Like, I mean, you remember, like, when he was with Vosh? It was okay when they were on Ryza having an adventure, but then when she came on the ship, he was like, oh, yeah, she's sort of my girlfriend, but she's embarrassing me. You guys! Yeah. Stop it! Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He definitely did have that. But that is because Picard is so devoted to his ship, okay, and and to his mission, and that is just, like, he's not going to be dissuaded, he's not going to be distracted. Kirk, he didn't listen to the Prime Directive at all. He'd get down to every planet and just be like, hey, guess the fuck what, spacemen. And Picard at least tried. Yeah, there barely was a Prime Directive in Kurt's time, though. I mean, one one of the reasons Kirk is such a legendary captain is because it's like somebody in, like, pioneer times... You know, like uh, the Old West kind of thing. Okay. I mean, there was... The Federation was not very well built up. Most of the galaxy was still unexplored. Yeah. You know, and he's just... He's just kind of flying by the seat of his pants, making up the rules as he goes along. Yeah. By, by Picard's time, you know, things were a lot more established. You had uh, a, a larger Federation. You had a lot of treaties, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, yeah. so... Well, yeah. I mean, Kirk, uh, on one hand, yes, legendary captain, but, you know, he's... Legendary for the number of rules they had to make to compensate for all the shit he did. 
That's true. That's I mean, <laughs> I will cite, I will cite uh-huh. the, uh, the the time travel episode of Deep Space Nine where they actually uh, cut the characters into the Trouble with Tribbles from the original series. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the uh, the guys from the Department of Time Travel, I can't remember what they're actually called. The Department of Temporal Investigations. Yeah. Yeah. The, the cool space G-men. Right. Yeah. They are like, they, they come to Cisco and they're like, this is almost as bad as a lot of the shit Kirk used to pull. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, 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 if we're debating here kind of a Kirk versus Picard in terms of what kind of captain they are, yeah. there's a couple episodes, I think, very illustrative of their character. Okay? Okay. And uh, there was a season one episode of the original series uh, entitled The Enemy Within. Mm-hmm. That's the one where uh, there's a transporter accident, and Kirk is split into two people that are two aspects of his personality. Yes. And and one is very you know, gentle, compassionate, intellectual, and one is downright rapey. He's, oh, I remember that He's one. creepy, he's violent, he actually assaults Yeoman Rand at one point. Yeah, he no, is a, I, I remember that one. He is a dirty bastard, <laughs> it's, right? It's quite unpleasant. It, it is, it yeah. is. It's a very uncomfortable episode in, in places. Yeah, he, he invites her into his girdle and it's just gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but about two-thirds of the way through the episode, Spock remarks in a very Spockian kind of way that um, it's a, a fascinating glimpse into what makes Captain Kirk Captain Kirk, right? Because okay. he's got his, his gentleness and his compassion and his intellectualism and whatnot. You know, he's a good man. He's got that aspect to him. Yeah. But then the, the brash, bold, aggressive part of his personality actually allows him to make the bold decisions and, and take command yeah. as a starship captain, as an explorer. Yes. So he does need that evil rapey guy inside him, but only to a point. He needs the other half of him to rein him in before yeah. he does terrible things. No, I mean, Kirk definitely was all about just getting out there into the farthest frontiers of the galaxy and uh, penetrating them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, that's I, that's really Kirk in a nutshell, and they do a good job very early in the series of, like, just kind of pointing out what this guy's like. Yes. He's a good guy, but he's he's a go-getter. Let's that's say. a word for it. <laughs> he's, he's, got the, he's got an animal underneath. Yeah. You know. It's like, Kirk doesn't know the meaning of the word no. <laughs> he does, but only when both his halves are mushed into yeah. one person. Yeah. Kirk intellectually understands the meaning of the word no and understands that he has to pretend he knows what it means in order to blend. <laughs> he's not a sociopath. Well, we know he's not because okay. he's got a sad guy inside him. That's, that's the true, point. That's yeah, true. that's the point of that episode. He's, okay. got, he's got a good side and evil side. He's got the sad side. Yeah, okay. yeah. Now, meanwhile, uh, in season six of Star Trek The Next Generation, there's an episode called Tapestry. All right. Uh, and we... Yeah, folks, you're getting it. Gee, uh, if only this show had a Star Trek geek to help us along on this journey. Yeah, if only. Yeah, if only. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Kirk has Picard. Uh, pick, sorry, thank you. Oh, Captain Picard has a, a malfunction in his artificial heart. Okay, oh. and he's he's on his deathbed, and as he's in a coma while he's being taken into surgery, uh, Q shows up. Q, the omnipotent being, trickster guy. He's basically the Star Trek version of Loki. Yeah. Um, so Q shows up and he says... He's uh, fun. Yeah, he's fun. I like Q. Yeah. 
John Delancey, great character actor. Actually, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Q gives Picard the opportunity to go back in time to when he was a young man, to the ac- to like the time before the accident uh, where he got his original heart stabbed yes. in a bar fight yes, and had to get the artificial heart. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'll give you a chance to go back in time and set things right, because we're pals and I'm weird. Um, so Picard goes back in time. And he meets this uh, girl he always had a crush on and uh, runs into one of his buddies and that kind of thing. His cadet days. Yeah, yeah. He avoids the fight, totally pusses out on the fight, actually. Yeah. And um, makes his friend... Well, good, because he lost. He did lose, but, you know, by not helping him in the fight, he made his friend look like an asshole. But then he also ended up sleeping with the girl that he'd always wanted to sleep with and, you know, didn't have the balls to when he was in a cadet, that kind of thing. Yeah. But then... Right afterwards, like the morning after, she didn't even come see him in the hospital and like give him a handy or nothing. That's so sad. Like anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, <laughs> but it was one of those like when you sleep with a friend and the next morning it's super awkward and you never talk again. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, point is, after all that goes down, Q flashes him back to how it would be in the present had this all gone down. Thing is, in this version of the present, he is super boring. He's working on. He's still working on the Enterprise, but he's not the captain anymore. He's a lowly crewman in stellar cartography. He's just basically a a, a, a scientist yeah. that isn't that popular. Doesn't have many friends. His career yeah. is kind of dull. Well, it's good that Picard's not the captain then, because he probably would have died. Yeah, yeah. Like if he was the captain and also that random crewman, then that crewman probably would have gotten killed off during some of Picard's antics. Well, well. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, the two timelines aren't convergent. Good. And anyway, the point is, Q demonstrates to Picard that the aspect of his personality as like a, a risk taker, yeah, as you know, as that adventurous part of him, he's tried to suppress that. It just totally unravels. You know what makes him a good captain? Yes. You know, not just a, a scientist and a philosopher, but also that he is the guy that can get in a bar fight and can take risks. Yeah. You know. And also, I mean, there was the 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 in that same episode, it sort of suggested, hey, if this terrible thing hadn't happened to you and kind of given you something to bounce back from, you're not going to bounce back. You're just going to continue on your shitty trajectory you're already on. Right, right, right. He didn't have anything that made him really appreciate the opportunities he could have. Yeah. That kind of thing. So that's that's the man Picard is, yes. right? I mean, he could at any time descend into just you know you know like mediocrity. Yeah, closed off intellectual, but you know he's got that risk taking streak to him. Makes him a good captain. So you've got you've got two very complex men. Yes, in in Kirk and Picard. Yes, and I don't know which one is really a better captain per se. They're both you know yeah legendary Starfleet captains. If they were on uh, regular ships, like old-timey sailing ships, uh-huh. Kirk's would have sunk way before Picard's. It's true. Well, yeah, and Kirk does wreck a few ships. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Picard I, keeps that Enterprise going for quite a while until the movies. Yeah, Picard doesn't wreck any Enterprises until the films. Yeah. Um, and, you know... And for a while, Kirk actually, you know, captained a stolen uh, Klingon bird of prey. Yeah. 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 That's insane. Yeah. Unprofessional. Well, they broke the Enterprise. They blew it up. But the thing is, yeah, I think Picard is a, is a better, you know, captain in the classical sense, as, you know, a great leader of men. Mm-hmm. Because Kirk is often off on his own bullshit. Kirk 
you let it get personal very often. That's true. And Kirk was big on settling scores. Yeah. I mean, the whole reason Wrath of Khan works as a movie is because he's got this rivalry with Khan. Yeah. They are never on screen together at the same time, except, like, through video in that movie. Like, through, uh, like, teleconferencing. It's really weird, actually. Yeah. yeah. But, the, but it totally works, because you get that these two guys are mad at each other, and they're ignoring whatever they're supposed to be doing. Captaining the Enterprise and ruling the universe, respectively. That's true, that's true. And Khan has the opportunity to, you know, take a ship and get away, lead his people yeah. to, you know, some kind of new thing, rebuild. But no, he wastes all his resources on a vendetta against Kirk. Mm-hmm. And Kirk endangers his whole crew going after Khan after Khan kills his son. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, Kirk, let it get personal all over the place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Picard, like... It didn't get really super personal. He didn't let it get personal. Again, until the the Borg movie, and then everyone saw that and was like, wait a minute, why is Picard letting it get so personal? Yeah, the Borg movie is, um, it's not the best. It's flawed. I, I, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have the best characterization of Picard, let's say. The Next Generation movies in general have some issues. Yeah, yeah, he's suddenly running around in a tank top and getting in fist fights and yeah. swinging, you know, like Tarzan. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. But we don't have to worry about those movies. No, they're over now. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're done. So <laughs> yeah, and there's really no way to do a movie about the other shows, and, and anyway, they're doing new Star Trek movies now. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we need a, eventually need a new series in that canon. I think a new TV show. I would like that along that timeline. It is stuff that happens after after Voyager gets back. Yeah. Uh, after the Dominion War and after Star Trek Nemesis, which sucked. But but the whole point is that there are numerous episodes in which Kirk, if not you know, turns evil, then has his superpower evil side. Or has evil Kirk from the Mirror Universe, or any number of... There are any number of evil Kirks lurking about. Oddly enough, yeah, there's no Mirror Universe episode of Next Generation. Yeah, you know why? why? Because if evil Picard came through the portal or whatever, do you think anyone would stop him? I bet evil Picard uh, would be like, um, he'd be like a Bond villain. He'd have like a big fluffy cat. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, he would take Data's brain and put it in a robot cat just to prove he could. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I feel like that's a missed opportunity. I'd like to see Mirror Universe Kirk. Yeah. Or Picard. Yeah, I mean, and then like Shatner got all obsessed with Mirror Universe Kirk and started writing... Like, Star Trek books about it and stuff. That is weird. All about how he became the emperor of the, 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 of the universe or the galaxy or whatever, like, when <laughs> Earth conquered it. And then, like, you know, officially, and this is actually in the, the series canon on, on Deep Space Nine, uh-huh. you know, got deposed because Spock was like, buddy, you shouldn't be doing this. Oh, yeah. I've learned yeah. my lesson. You right, know? right. You think Picard would have gotten deposed? <laughs> Uh, probably not. Yeah. He, he probably would have had his ducks in a row. Yeah. I mean, if things got better, it would be because he would, he decided to become a reformer. It would have been on his terms. See, I would say Kirk is a man of action where Picard is kind of a master strategist. Yes. Like, you want, you want Kirk on a ship, you want Picard, like, planning the actions of an armada. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you want Kirk on a ship, you want Picard on an important ship. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Picard, you're here at the base planning stuff. Uh, Kirk, you're driving the car bomb. That's harsh. Yeah, I that's, know. That's harsh. I would let red shirts man the car bombs. Well, both captains would as well. Yeah. But 
Kirk would order a guy to do it, Picard would be like, no, I refuse, and then the guy would do it anyway, and he would be conflicted. Now, Kirk and Picard are always the big ones you talk about, probably because they were on the Starship Enterprise. Yeah, and, you know. and and I'm being unfair because I have always been firmly on the side of Picard as both the best and the coolest. I mean, he is, he is a bigger nerd, and, you know, yeah, but you are, as always, on Team Nerd. I'm always on Team Nerd. I'm always on Team Bald Guy, frankly, because I am one of those. That's fair. So, you know, and, and he didn't wear a cheap rug. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I can handle that. I'm at peace with that aspect of myself. And Yeah, all yeah. right. I think, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so I'm being unfair. I'm making Kirk out to be more reckless and more <laughs> overtly murderous of toward his crew right, than he was. Right. Well, all right. Let's let's give a little moment in the sun to, to uh, how about Cisco, Janeway, and Archer? Yeah, no. Uh, technically, if we're going for all the captains, uh-huh. then Cisco. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Cisco. Well, Cisco is really awesome. I mean, that he had a lot of time for character development. So yeah, because he wasn't going off to to planet crazy every week. No, no, he, that's true. He had to run a station. Yeah. He had to become a god. Yeah. And uh, like, he had to win a war that spanned most of the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Cisco's all like, oh, hey, Captain Kirk, going off having another adventure? Some of us have fucking jobs. <laughs> I mean, in theory, I guess that is Kirk's job, and he got paid for it at some point, but... Well, it's weird because Kirk and Picard's jobs are basically to go gallivanting around the the galaxy and just look at stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Cisco's job. I mean, he was he started off, you know, in an administrative role, right? And eventually became like you know the guy at the epicenter of a yeah. major intergalactic war. Exactly. I mean, and he when the history of that war is written, even though technically it ended with him becoming a god, right? Despite that, yes. Like, that's going to be the only chapter about Cisco is, oh, by the way, this dude went into the wormhole and he's a god now. You know? Yeah. Uh, the rest of that book, the rest of the great history of that war, when it's written, it's going to be about the generals. It's going to be about the battles. The, uh, the, the leaders of the various fleets, you know, out there in space. And the betrayals and so forth. And Cisco is going to be the unsung hero of that war. Well, the, Cisco the, was the overall leader of the Federation fleet. For the duration of that war. It, it took him a while to sort of earn that respect. I mean, let, putting aside earning the actual title, mm-hmm. to to get the respect needed. Because, I mean, a lot of the people involved were like, well, you are a glorified bureaucrat who just runs the station that happens to be at the epicenter of the war. That's fair. I mean, a lot of credit does go to General Martok. Yeah. Who led the, the Klingon fleet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. General Martok, huge deal, you know. The the involvement and the back and forth and the betrayal and the fucking palace intrigues of the Cardassians in this war. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the diminished and then suddenly much increased role of Vajor in the war, you know. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot, of, a lot of factions outside of just the Federation and the Dominion involved. It is by far the most complicated, intricate plot of any Star Trek product ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Cisco is right there. He just took this. This was just a job. This was the job he took because handling a starship was too stressful because of some shit Picard did. Right. Well, Locutus, but Picard. And, yeah, uh, well, yeah. And, and he just took this because it's like, this is where I'm going to go to fucking just count down the rest of my career. Right. Well, he had a son to raise. Exactly. That's the other thing. 
Cisco is the only Starfleet captain, well, the only Star Trek TV show captain, with a kid. With yeah, he's got a family to worry about, and later a wife. Yeah, I mean, and he had a wife before that as well, who, as I said, you know, got killed by some shit Picard did. Well, by the Borg. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but uh, Picard Picard didn't decide to let the Borg attack. He was assimilated. Well, yeah, it wasn't his fault. I know. You but can't, yeah, it's it's very hard to go against the collective. Well, no, but yeah, but the the point is that yeah, no, he he had a, a family. He right. So much is made of the fact that the Enterprise, especially in the the modern era series, uh-huh. uh, have these very large uh, civilian portions of the ship full of civilians. There's over a thousand people on the Enterprise D. Yeah, the the, the crew bring their families on the right. ship that gets into battles. Yeah, for fuck's sake. But other than Worf's son. Who isn't there very long? Yeah, none of the none of the major cast members. Well, there's Wesley Crusher. Yeah, yeah, that's there's true. Wesley there's, Crusher. There's yes. Yeah, so Beverly had a kid. Yeah, and Worf had a son. But by and large, most of the primary cast of Next Generation don't have kids. Yeah, I mean the fucking you know original Enterprise crew didn't have kids at all. Yeah, and then like you when know? it when a character does have a kid, it's like. It's always like, you know, Kirk's son in the movie. It's like, well, we haven't seen you in a long-ass time. Guess he, guess he had a son in the meantime. Right. <laughs> well, no, Kirk didn't know about his son. Yeah. Yeah. See, so that's the same deal. But, but Sulu had a family. Okay. Yeah, eventually. But no, to, to really get the whole family aspect yeah. on Next Generation... You really need to bring in secondary characters like Miles O'Brien. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Miles, you could marry off Miles without affecting the dynamic of the rest of the crew. Yeah, these the wife and the kids, and, you know, that's why he gets to go on Deep Space Nine. And just get sad every week. Yeah. Well, yeah. about every third week. Yeah, you know. About every third episode of Deep Space Nine is just something horrible happens to O'Brien. Miles O'Brien is the, is the he must suffer. He is the punching bag of DS9. He is. Harry Kim is the DS9 of, or is the, the punching bag of, of Voyager. That's true. But no one cares because it's Harry Kim. Big yeah. fucking deal. Oh, you're having a bad day? Oh, did, did, did your wife or child almost die? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's not as adorable as O'Brien. Yeah. He's, you know... But but Captain Janeway and I love Kate Mulgrew. Okay, I am a huge Kate Mulgrew nerd. All right. Okay. She's fantastic. No, but, I, I I like Captain Janeway. Yeah, yeah. But but Captain Janeway, uh, her her mission is really much more personal, right? By you know she's you know just doing her captain thing on yeah. a mission, and boom, she's on the other side of the galaxy. She's got to get these people home. They're completely isolated. Yeah. And she basically has one mission for seven years. That's, you know, that's I gotta take care of this crew, and and they because of their isolation, they you know become a family in and of itself. Well, 100, yeah. 140 people, more or less. Yeah, and they they actually start marrying and having kids and stuff on Voyager because you know, for all they know, it'll take them seventy years to get home. Yeah, it's like what else are we gonna do? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. that and eventually you need crew replacements. That's true. If, exactly. if they hadn't found. You know, a way to get home quicker. Yeah, they're just going to run out of people eventually. I've always wanted to go back through Voyager mm-hmm. and just count up every dead red shirt and see if it's, you know, see how many people would have actually been on that ship by the end of the show. It's really tricky because I've actually been re-watching Voyager, okay. and every time a red shirt dies, I cringe. It's like, what, what, what are you doing? You're going to run out! Yeah. And yeah, it's hard to find, you know, complete... Crew compliment lists. Yeah. But yeah. They, but I mean, you mentioned 140, you know, it's like they do say that at certain points. Yeah, yeah. yeah Every so, once in a while they'll mention how many people they have on board. Yeah, so, so I mean, if, yeah. you, if you just... You'd go through and count down. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You could count down, and by the end of the show, how many are actually left? 
Around 100. Probably, maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe less. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it would be a lot. And they don't pick that many people up on the way. I no. mean, they, they pick up Neelix, they pick up 7 and 9. Towards the end, they pick up a few more Borg. Yeah, exactly. That's about... And, and those are children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's and like they, they pick up baby Borgs. Right, right. And, uh... One of the crew has a baby, but yeah, that's, oh, a, good. that's well, a little girl running around. As long as we can go, you know, about 18 years without everybody dying, right, right. we'll have one more person to help run the ship. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking tricky. So. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but exactly, because, you know, the Enterprise, they're always headed back to this or that base. It's like, we can pick up some guys to replace the dead ones, drop off their widows... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You uh, when you're in Federation territory, you have an endless supply of new red shirts. Yeah, and but know. so yeah, Janeway's mission wasn't just to get the ship home; it was to keep people alive. It was a lot more crucial that she keep crew members alive. Yeah, Kirk could let as many people die to random monsters as he wanted. Absolutely, big fucking deal. No, Kirk. I, I think really, I don't know if he was fully aware of it, just because. There probably hadn't been a situation like the one with Janeway in his time. Yeah. So he might not have been fully aware of the implications of it, but surely he he did understand, well, we can get another one somehow. Oh, yeah, totally. And even Picard. You know, how many times did he send down, like, an away mission to ten people, and then things go bad? Oh, no! You sent down ten people. Who survived? Just Riker. Yeah, it's just Riker. Yeah, it's Riker and then, you know, nine dead people. And, uh, yeah. Mentioning Riker brings up an interesting point about okay. Kirk and Picard as well, actually. Oh, right, right, right. Because because Riker kind of, you know, took on some of the playboy aspects. Yeah, Riker took on some of those Kirkly qualities. Yeah. But Kirk himself, you know, made up sort of that weird uh, trinity that sort of, you know, made up the heart of the original Star Trek. Right. He, he you know, he, there was Kirk as, you know, the sort of, well, kind of the, uh, I don't want to say he was the id, but kind of the id, and then you had, you know, your Spock as Super Ego, and then your McCoy as whatever one Kirk isn't. All right, yeah. yeah. I mean, McCoy is like, McCoy is like the nagging voice in the back of your head that's like, ah, oh no, you know, yeah. this is, this is dangerous. Yeah. You know, be careful, this could go, this could go wrong, Jim. You had the the paranoid, you know, or let's say depressive uh, McCoy, and then the manic Kirk. Yeah, and then Ma- McCoy Spock is, is the very detached, kind of logical guy. Right, and McCoy is really the voice of like caution in the in the triad. Yeah. It's no. it's really it's caution, logic, and id. Yeah, 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 <laughs> basically. But yeah, no, McCoy was always very much you know trying to hold him back, and Kirk was always going "fuck yeah, let's go," and then Spock was you know. Pointing out why they were both full of shit. <laughs> but yeah. without those other two guys, mm-hmm. Kirk and everyone he had ever met would be dead. <laughs> That's true. And you really didn't have the same, you know, dominant triad on Next Gen. No, I it mean... It was more ensemble Yeah, it, it definitely was. I mean, like... I mean, like, you know, Spock and Sulu and, uh, you know, Uhura... And later Chekhov were always just secondary. Yeah. They were the, you know, also my buddies came along. Yeah. But, and yeah. Zoidberg, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's not just an issue of number of lines, it's also just that Picard didn't have, you know, that inner circle and then everyone else. No, he really didn't. It was like, the the top of the pyramid was just him. Yeah. And then it was like six the, other people. Yeah, the entire rest of the main cast, basically. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Riker's the second man, but he's basically on par with yeah. Data and Crusher and Jordy and everybody. Yeah, no, it, it's like anything that Worf says, 
will be given equal credence to what Riker says. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Hell, anything Wesley says. <laughs> Weirdly enough. Yeah. It's like, come on in here in that sexy cable knit sweater, Wesley. Yeah. And tell yeah. me your opinions on this matter, and then I'll I'll weigh those against what my handsomely bearded second in command had to say. Yeah. 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 So. If anything, I think Picard would do a little better, maybe. Uh, not necessarily better on his own, because Kirk on his own, that might be the ideal situation for him, because he can just go as nuts as he needs to. Right. Well, there's an episode, or there, there's a movie where it's just Kirk and Picard. Yeah. And they don't do very well. I mean, technically, they save the day, but they almost fuck it up. Yeah. Several times. And then Kirk ends up dying at the end. And not even in a good way. Bridge falls on his ass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He buries him under some rocks. I don't think Picard ever tells anybody. No, he didn't even dig a hole. Yeah. Didn't even dig a hole. Just piled some rocks up on him and was like, hope nobody comes to this planet. Yeah. There's there's never a moment where Picard says, oh, remember the most legendary captain in Starfleet history yeah. that disappeared 80 years ago? I found him and he's dead now. <laughs> it's like, well, I got a little of the old good news, bad news for you. Yeah, exactly. He's just like, oh, yeah. man, get us some rocks. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody, don't look under those rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and you know if Spock and McCoy had been there, oh, yeah. they would have saved Kirk. Yes. You know, but Picard's just like, oh, ah, whatever. All right. Did we did we kill Malcolm McDowell? Okay. Yeah. So the verdict is Cisco. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. You can't trust either of uh, Kirk or Picard. Yeah, actually, I yeah. mean, well, I mean, I would trust Janeway to get me home. Well, you know, I would, ju- I would trust Janeway to have my best interest at heart, to have my back. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I would trust Cisco to just multi-manage everything, right? Yeah, actually, you know, he's really if for for like president of the galaxy, I would nominate Cisco. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I right. mean, if he hadn't gone into the wormhole at the end and become a god, yeah, he could have succeeded Buffalo Man as head of the Federation. Yeah, that big creepy monster guy that's head of the Federation, yeah. the big green thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have been a good president of the Federation. Yeah, fuck you, President Monster Man. And as for Scott Bakula, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, don't I care. Wouldn't, I wouldn't trust Scott Bakula to drive the Wienermobile. Oh well, you don't need to because uh, uh, Paul Ryan's got it covered. Yeah, well, I wouldn't trust him to do it either. God damn oh, it. Oh, really? Because the Oscar Mayer Corporation did yeah, trust well, Paul Ryan to drive the Wienermobile. I'm going to have some words with them. You're going you're gonna to have some words with the uh, <laughs> the people who were in charge of Oscar Mayer in 1992? Somehow, yeah. That is going to be a hilarious letter from a crazy person that is going to be passed around the next Christmas party. So, when you write that letter, um, make sure you include contact info for the Brugs Sweetie Beak podcast... So they can write back and we can talk about it on the show. You know what I need to do? What's that? I need to buy a fuckload of action figures and line them up on a bunch of shelves in my room uh-huh. and then make a crazy rage-filled YouTube video where I yell at the Oscar Mayer company. Oh, that there you go. <laughs> and then I'll be famous. Yeah. <laughs> well, until next week, everyone. I mean, whatever makes the show popular. Yeah. You know. And in the meantime, everybody else, if you want us to discuss your topic... Send those topics to topics at thebeak.org. Indeed. You can also find us on breakfastwiththebeak.tumblr.com, facebook.com slash breakfastwiththebeak. Yeah. And you can tweet us at, at thebeak and at Doc Heisenberg. You so can. Yeah. Send us topics. We'll talk about them just like we talked about this. And uh, maybe Paul Ryan will ruin it. Maybe. To be continued? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is not over. going to be a long three months.
This has been a production of the Beak Podcasting Network. Visit thebeak.org to learn more about this and other quality podcasts. Seriously, guys, so awesome.